But right now, I want to uh, launch into a mini-series. Look at the person next to you and say, get ready. Mini-series. It was something that God laid on my heart uh, some time ago, but I didn't feel released to preach it. And just last Sunday, uh, God said, go next, this is time, next Sunday. So uh, no one had even known what it was. And I told the team, hey, here's what I'm going to be doing over here over a few weeks. And I want to talk with you from the subject, solvent of life. Solvent of life. Water um, is known as the solvent of life. But those of us uh, uh, who are followers of Jesus have discovered that Jesus is the true solvent of life. And he is our living water. And today I want to talk with you from the subject, thirst no more. Uh, If you have your Bibles, let's go to, uh, uh, let's start on University of Washington, 52, University of Southern California, 42. My wife is born and raised in Washington, you know, so it's like y'all can be mad at me, but I'm going to have a happy wife when I go home this afternoon. <laughs> so y'all will get over it, but like, so I'll be happy. got an extra hour and a happy wife. So uh, we, we won't even talk about UCLA losing to an unranked team, but um, let's, go to, let's go to John. We'll be in John chapter two, and then we'll skip over to John chapter four. Uh, beginning in verse 3, Jesus' mom comes up to Jesus and says, they have no more wine. Jesus looks at her and says, woman, why do you involve me? Now, we need to uh, understand, because we read the Bible through the lens of our current culture and our current old understanding. So when we read this, we think Jesus is being disrespectful. We think Jesus is like our middle schooler, like calling you bra. You're like, I'm your mom. I'm not your bra. No, but Jesus is not being disrespectful here. Jesus is saying, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus did not live his life based upon the timetable and the demands of other people. Not not even necessarily based upon what he decided. We see even in the garden, Jesus is like, not my will, Father, but your will be done. And Jesus was on heaven's timetable, and he's like, my hour has not yet come. And so his mom is like, uh, to the helpers, she says, do whatever Jesus tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Fill the jars with water and take it to the master of the banquet. After tasting it, the master of the banquet says, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Go with me if you have your Bibles to two chapters later to John chapter 4. If not, follow along on the screen as we begin in verse 6. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, Jesus said, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Everyone say living water. water. (laughs) Jesus goes on to say, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst again. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
Sir, show me the money. No, that's what she says. Sir, give me the water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. God, I thank you that you'd speak to us. Our hearts are receptive, our minds are alert, and our ears are open. We want to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't it amazing that like it's early on in John's gospel and you find Jesus and his crew at a wedding? Like, like Jesus went to social events. Jesus didn't spend all of his time out in the middle of nowhere praying and, and, and being alone. Like Jesus went to social events. He's, he shows up at a wedding. Anyone like you've gone to a wedding recently or maybe you remember your wedding? I'll never forget my wedding when Lindsay is walking down the aisle, not to the regular, you know, song that a lot of ladies walk down to. She was walking down to a song by Etta James, At Last My Love Has Come Along. My lonely days are over and life is like a Seattle Seahawks song. <laughs> she comes, like, here's the thing, like, like Jesus and his crew were... Were, must have been fun to be around that, that people wanted them there. And yes, sometimes I think we as Christians can just be so boring. You ever see some people and you're like, I don't want to invite them to my wedding. Not only do I want to not have to pay for the meal for them, you know, sometimes it's money, you know. <laughs> Other times you're like, they're just kind of a downer, you know. You're just trying to have fun and like all they can talk about is like, you're like, yo, come down to earth. Like you're talking about just like, you like, like just have fun. Like we as Christians should be party people. Like, like, as followers of Jesus, people should want to invite us to their barbecues. As followers of Jesus, people should want to invite us to, to, to their birthday parties. Where we can just have fun and everything doesn't need to be, oh, pray, prayer, 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 prayer. Yeah, we pray, but sometimes, like, can you just have fun? Like, can you imagine Jesus and his crew at this wedding? At that time, like weddings would go on like for up to a week. So it was like an extended time of, of having fun. And like, I can just imagine, can, can you imagine Jesus and his crew on the dance floor? You got like all of a sudden, it's like, and they're like, go Peter, go Peter. You know, P Peter's the one not only stepping out of the boat, stepping onto the dance floor, right? You know, those moves, you know, they're like, and next we have Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel, like, like they're out there dancing, right? I mean, in my mind, this is, this is how I picture it. It may not be how you picture it, but I picture it all of a sudden. It's like, wait, hold on. What's that song? I was dreaming when I wrote this, forgive me if it goes astray. But when I woke up this morning, could have sworn it was judgment day. Does anyone know? Are you like are you 20, zero, zero, party over? <laughs> Nobody knows, but tonight we're going to party like it's 19. You imagine in that time, we're going to party like it's zero, zero, <laughs> like four, zero, like, like this is a party is taking place. Jesus was invited to this wedding. A lot of people today don't invite Jesus to their weddings. They, they stand on an altar and they commit to a marriage as long as we both shall love. Like, you know what? It's like, that's where people start placing bets. 
over under two weeks. What do you think? You know, they're going to make it back from the honeymoon. You know, it's like not as long as we both shall live. And so, yeah, some people not only don't invite Jesus into their wedding, some people don't invite Jesus into their marriage. We're having all these problems. We're having all these struggles. Yeah, because Jesus should be the center of the marriage. Jesus should be more important than even your spouse. A lot of people don't, don't invite Jesus into their career. A lot of people don't invite Jesus into their life. A lot of people like to visit Jesus on Sundays. Because I was like, oh, let's go visit Jesus. Let's just, let's just get a little bit of that Jesus fragrance on us. Let's just get just a little bit like Sunday only. Jesus should be a part of our lives. And so Jesus is there, and we like to think if Jesus is there, there shouldn't be any problems. If Jesus is with me, I should never have any struggles. If Jesus is with me, my spouse shouldn't be acting crazy. If Jesus is with me, my bank account shouldn't be empty. If Jesus is with me, I should have got the promotion and not them. Jesus is at the wedding, and they have a problem. There's no more wine. Does anyone today have a problem? You're like, uh, yeah. there's no, you look at, you open your Chase app and you're like, there ain't nothing more. You're looking at your patience with your young kid and you're like, there ain't nothing, there ain't no more patience. You look at your opportunities for career and you're like, there ain't, there There ain't nothing. And we often like to think about what caused the problem. And we like to focus on what caused it. Oh, well, what could have caused this problem? Well, it was probably a week-long event, and and maybe they didn't properly plan, or maybe maybe they weren't wealthy, and so maybe they couldn't afford all the wine for that day, or or, or maybe more people just, maybe there were wedding crashers, and people showed up who weren't even invited and decided to drink. We, we, We like to describe what caused our problems versus trying to figure out what's the solution to our problems. And Mary, for whatever reason, the mother of Jesus. Was she helping put on the wedding? We don't know. Did she really care about the people? Well, probably she was at the wedding. But somehow she comes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, we have a problem. There's no more wine. Now, I find it interesting that she doesn't tell Jesus to solve the problem. She doesn't tell Jesus what to do to solve the problem. She simply states, here's the problem. Now, for me, this rocked my trust in Jesus. Growing up, I remember a hymn called Tis So Sweet. Anyone know that song, Tis So Sweet? Uh, You do? I know you play keys. Can you sing? No? Okay, perfect. Neither can I. Let's do a duet. Okay, you'll play? Come on. Can can we turn the keys on, by the way? Um, Here, you play. And I'm going to see if Carlton, Carlton, you know, tis so sweet. Tis so sweet. I'm not saying I'm sweet. That's why you look very confused. You're like, tis not sweet. So. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to say, at his word. That's it. No, come on, give it up for Carlton and Dale. Tis so sweet. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. 
just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. But Jesus didn't say anything here. You see, I can have faith and trust Jesus when I got a promise. I can trust Jesus and have faith when I have a word. But what do you do when you don't have a word? What do you do when you pray and it seems to be silent? What do you do when you seek God and all you hear is crickets or a baby in the back? Uh, you, you hear nothing. You see, here's the thing. This rocked me and maybe it can rock you. Like understanding, do I trust only what Jesus says or do I trust the character of Jesus to do what's best? Mary, Mary, his mom, is not even saying solve the problem. Just saying here's the problem. Knowing Jesus and his character. Jesus and his goodness. Jesus and his rightness. That, that, that if Jesus is aware, he's going to do what's best for the situation. And if Jesus is in your life, and if Jesus is with you, and if Jesus is there in the midst of your problem, can we actually learn, like, I'm going to trust that he's going to do what's best. I don't need to tell him what to do. In fact, oftentimes we realize Jesus doesn't tell what we, what we do, what we tell him to do anyway. And oftentimes if, if he did, what he has is actually better than what we're asking him to do. That's trust. And so Mary, the mom of Jesus, he's like, uh, tells the helpers, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Anyone have like young kids back in the day? You know, I don't think they say this anymore. Like, whatever whatever. But that's how sometimes we are to what God tells us to do. Whatever. Do this, whatever. Or are we willing to do whatever, whatever God says? Because sometimes it's weird. Because it's like, hold on, we don't, we're out of wine, what are we going to do? Now, if we're out of Kool-Aid, I can, I can tell you what to do. Now, I know that's, this sounds funny because there, there, there's that whatever group that drank Kool-Aid and all died. And uh, that's not what I'm talking about, like moving down to there. For those of you who are aware, anyway, we're, uh, uh, sometimes I just uh, say things I think out loud and I realize no one knows what I'm talking about. So, uh, but when I was a kid, uh, like people parent so different these days. My mom, when I was a kid, she would lock us out of the house. You know, today, like, parents are like, no, you're not going to leave. Where are you going? You know, do you have, you know, your, you know, do you, okay, you're tracking their phone, all this kind of stuff. My mom would be like, she would kick us out of the house. She'd be like, don't even come home. Don't, don't come inside until the street lights come on. Anyone remember those days? And so, like, we get thirsty. And, like, mom, we need some water. And we're tired of hose water because... We didn't, we did not get bottled water, people. What we got is the hose that was all wrapped up in the mud, and you kind of had to like spit out the mud as you were drinking from the hose, you know? <laughs> Remember those days? And so, like, eventually you're like, I'm tired, I need something else. Mom, I want some Kool Aid. <laughs> and so, my mom would throw out the Kool Aid packets just randomly. And when we, my friends and I would see that, you all run and you want to grab your favorite flavor before someone else grabs it. You grab the, you, you open this little packet. And you put a little bit in your mouth. You get the hose. <laughs> you don't want too much. Trust me, it can be too much. You don't want to waste it. You want to savor it. It was like, whoa, I can turn hose water 
into Kool-Aid. But we have a bigger problem here. The problem is that the family putting on this event, putting on this wedding, could face embarrassment. At that time, it was actually that the families could even be fined certain things for certain things religiously. You're like, it was just, it was like, this is this is a big deal. Like, who wants their wedding to be remembered as, yeah, that was the bummer, that was the one where everything got ran out? Like, we 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 have we have a problem. Jesus told the helpers, he said, I want you to go get, I want you to go get those containers over there. There's six containers, 20 to 30 gallons each, and I want you to fill them up with water. Sometimes your miracle is on the other side of your obedience. Sometimes we're waiting for God to do something in our lives, and he's already told us what to do. And and so, and, and so Jesus says, go, go get those containers. Now, I couldn't find a 20 to 30 gallon container. So I got a five-gallon container. I know someone is thinking, hey, I drink that amount of wine every night. So So, this is five-gallon. If each container was uh, 20 to 30 gallons, that means each container was four to six times this. Five times four is 20. Five times six is 30, right? And there six times that. So it could have been up to six times, six times what, the, what this, go get those and fill them up with water. Do you ever have God tell you something that just doesn't make sense? He must have misunderstood his mom. She said we're out of wine and he's telling us to get water. <laughs> you ever feel that way with God? God, I told you, like, I'm stressed. I don't have enough time right now. I, I, I'm dealing with, with, with these emotions on the inside, and God is telling you to start serving at the church. And you're like, I'm not listening. I said I don't have time. I told him I'm stressed. I need more. Every time I've gone to God to do something financial in my life, God, God is every single time has asked me to give money. When I was in middle school, I was saving up to buy a guitar, a Les Paul. I wanted to be just like Slash. I was like, I wanted to buy this. I was like, I want to buy this Les Paul. And I was saving up, I was saving up. And then God put on my heart to give all the money to the church. I was in middle school. Who does this? Close to $1,000 at that time. I was like, I was like, God, I said Gibson. Les Paul. I gave it to the church. My Grammy, my great-grandma ends up buying me a Les Paul, ends up buying me an amp, ends up buying me pedals. God worked it out. Times where it was like trying to buy a house and God would say, no, I want, I, I want you to give it. It's like sometimes what God tells us to do, it's like, God, it doesn't make sense. What you're asking me to do does not add up. But when you obey God, that's what... That's when you see things that like blow your mind. See things that like, uh, how did that happen? Because they filled it up with water. Jesus said, take it to the master of the banquet and let him try it. Poured it out. He tried it and he's like, this is the best. Most people give the best up front. And then after everyone's a little tipsy, they give them the cheap stuff. 
but, but you saved the best for last. Here's the thing. When you do it the world's way, what the world offers, the world will give you its best up front. Oh, and it, it, it might be good, but it doesn't stay good. It just gets worse, and it just gets worse, and it just gets worse, and it just gets worse. The, talk to any addict. Oh, they'll talk to you the first time? My first time was awesome, but, but, but not anymore. Talk with someone who, who, who has cheated on their spouse, and they'll be like, oh, it was exciting, and it was exhilarating, all this, but, but it's destroyed it's destroyed trust and maybe destroyed the marriage. The, 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 the first time you see what the world offers might be seem good or might like from an experience like, oh, that's great, but it just gets worse and worse. But what God brings is good and it just gets better and it just gets better. In, the re, in your relationship, if you do it God's way, it just gets better and it just gets better. If you handle your finances God's way, it just gets better and it just gets, like, God's way just gets better and better, right? So it's like, okay, here we go. Jesus saved the day. There's wine. We had a problem. He solved it. If there's a problem, you'll... He had, he had a problem. He solved it. But what now? Like, how long can you live on wine? I'm kind of glad that no one answered that question. You can live for all time. I'd be like, wait, like how, like, how long can you live? Let me put it in this context. How long can you live on God's last miracle in your life? It's like so many people are like living on the next, like living on the last miracle and then looking to God for the next miracle. And is all, is all that is is trying to jump from one miracle to, to the next miracle. And so we show up on a Sunday when we need a miracle. And then, hey, life's good. So we wait a few months. And then we're back in church asking God for the next miracle. God, I need another. I need another miracle. And so, so much of what we're praying for, so much of what we're praying for is like, God solved this problem out there. God solved the problem in my finances. God solved the problem in my marriage. So much of what we pray for is out there when, frankly, the real enemy is in here. Internal issues. Internal issues where you have depression, where you have anxiety, where you have despair, where, where, where you have sin that is eating you alive. John, in his gospel accounts, records seven signs. Because the sign, as you've heard before, probably from a lot of different preachers at a lot of different times, the sign is not the thing. The sign is the thing that points to the thing. And so often all we want is the sign versus realizing it is about a relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, we're just trying to bounce from God doing this to God doing that. And you don't feel stable and you don't feel secure and you're just trying to get the next thing. But we can go deeper than that. And in John chapter 4, Jesus is on this journey now, and Jesus is tired. He's exhausted. It, I, I don't think we really relate to Jesus or think Jesus can relate to us because it's like, yo, he's, he conquered death. Like, he's Jesus. But to know Jesus was fully God, but also feel fully human. So he understands what we're going through. And it says he was tired. You're like, yo, Jesus was tired? Anyone exhausted right now? You're like, I'm just tired. 
Whether you're just tired because you've been working on that struggle in your marriage and you're just you're tired of the struggle, or whether the issue with the kid and you're just you're just tired of that, or whether you're just like trying to provide for your family and you're just tired. Has everyone or anyone really got to a point where you're just like, I'm just I'm tired? Jesus was tired and he sat down. And he's going through Samaria. And he's a Jew. And he sits down at the well. And here comes a Samaritan woman. And he says, hey, uh, can I have some water? Now, it, it would not be appropriate for a man, especially a rabbi, to talk with a woman who was a stranger. That would not have been proper at that time. It, it, it would not have really been appropriate for a, a Jew to interact with a Samaritan. But here's the thing I love about Jesus. Jesus breaks down barriers. You see, the world wants to put up barriers. Religion wants to put up barriers. But Jesus says, I'm in the barrier-breaking business, and I do things that make people uncomfortable. I love it at this church that we have people of different ages. I love it that we have young people. And you know, not so young, people who are just closer to being with Jesus, you know, like, I, I, I'm glad that we have people who the colors of our skin look so different. I'm glad that we have people that when you talk with someone, their accents are different. There is something beautiful about that. After all, we're all going to be in heaven together, so we might as well get along now and learn to learn to develop some relationships and and actually learn and grow from different cultures. And, and Jesus is like, hey, I, I, know, I know culture says this isn't appropriate. I know from a religious, I, I, but, but can I have some water? And I wonder if this woman was like, what's he really want? Some strangers. Can I have some water? What, what's he really asking? I love it because Jesus never had a, a sales pitch. You know some Christians who have sales pitches? They're like that Bible wired for sound. And you meet them and they're like walking you through the book of Romans and you're just like, they're just trying to tell you, like you're like, whoa. Like, I'm not a project. When you meet people, they're not projects. Jesus has conversations with people based upon where they're at. He's having this conversation. So I have some water, they get into this conversation. He's like, well, the water I offer You'll never be thirsty. It's living water. And this, this woman's like, how, how, how? You, you don't have anything to go into the well. How, how are you going to do this? The well's deep. I think most of us get stuck on how. How's Jesus going to, how's Jesus going to heal this relationship? Hey, how's Jesus going to heal my broken heart? How's Jesus going to deal with this bitterness that's stuck on the inside of me? How? How? Where she is there with Jesus, and all she has to do is ask. She doesn't know who she's talking to. She doesn't know what he has to offer, and she doesn't even know how to receive it. It's how versus, versus give me that. Give me that living water. She thinks he's talking about actual physical water. He's talking about spiritual water. Not this last summer, but the summer before, Lindsay and I were traveling, and we took a red eye. I'm not a fan of red eyes. I don't like red eyes, but we, it was a Sunday night and after church, ended up later heading on. It was like an 11-something o'clock flight, and, but it got delayed. 
for like two hours, over two hours. And I don't know about you, but like, I'm not a fan of airplane restrooms. Maybe you are. But most of the time, if you have to go in there, you're like, what happened? Like, I don't really. You're just like, what happened? So, so when I'm traveling, I don't like to drink water because I don't want to have to go to the bathroom. So by the time I think we're going to fly, then it's a two-hour delay, and then we're actually not even flying direct. It was to the East Coast. It was somewhere, and then having to catch another flight, and then we finally get to where we're going. We get in our rental car. We're driving through a really bad part of the area, and we get a flat tire. So then we got to end up getting there to the get towed to the rental car place and get there and then all of a sudden get a new rental car. And by this time, I'm doing what any spiritual person would do. I look at Lindsay and say, I need coffee. (laughs) And so we go and we get coffee. And I hadn't realized how long I'd been without water. I didn't feel thirsty. And so we're in this meeting later on in the day and and all, all I'd have is is coffee, and yeah, I was feeling tired, but I just thought it was not sleeping on the red eye. And, and we're in this room, and there was only one chair in this room. And all of a sudden, I, I come to it, and Lindsay is right in front of me. I am in the chair. I don't know what happened. Lindsay has her hands on me. She is not praying for me. She is slapping me in the face. Wake up! (laughs) The other people are like, is he dead? Is he dead? They're on the phone with 911. I am like, I don't know what's happening. I have the nicest wife in the world, but I had handprints on my face for like days after. I'm just like not knowing what's happening. I'm waking up. They think I'm dead. I'm just like being slapped across the face. I end up going to the hospital. I was dehydrated. Lindsay said I was like out of it for like 20 seconds. Like eyes rolled back in the head. So I told her, I'm writing a book, 20 Seconds in Heaven. (laughs) Y'all can buy my book. I'll be telling you exactly what heaven is like. You have questions? I'll answer it. (laughs) Don't remember anything, people. Did not go to heaven. Didn't talk with God. Don't have some major revelation. Other than, Lindsay can slap. So (laughs) say something about the Seahawks. She might just, (laughs) maybe she slapped me back to life. Maybe, I don't know. But, but I, was, I was dehydrated. And here's the scary thing. I didn't know it by that point. I didn't know it. And, and so many followers of Jesus are spiritually dehydrated. And they don't even know it. Because we're bouncing from one thing to the next thing. And whether it's, whether it's asking God for a miracle or whether it's trying to fill ourselves with things that that don't work. So we're always thirsty. We're always thirsty because no matter how much, no matter how much water, is this okay to drink by the way? Okay, thanks. No matter how much water, you'll still be thirsty. Are you thirsty? I don't share, I think that's gross. I don't even drink after Lindsay. (laughs) 
I can pour. You know, you do the, what is that called? The fountain? What is that? Yeah. What is that? What's it called? I don't know what that is. You know where you do the, yeah. Yeah. But no, no, no matter how much you drink, like, no matter how much I, I drink right now, I'm going to be thirsty tomorrow. Like, spiritually, that's how some of us are, are trying to survive on, on things that don't satisfy. So sometimes it's, sometimes it's unhealthy things that we're, that we're filling ourselves up with that don't satisfy. Sometimes it's not even, it's not even sin. It's just, it's just things that don't satisfy and we're, we're thirsty because anything that this world offers will not truly satisfy. And Jesus is having this conversation with this woman and so she's like, give me the living water. Is that anyone's cry today? Give me the, God, I want the living water. And you would think that like Jesus would do it how we do it today. Repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, come into my life as Lord and Savior. You would think Jesus would do that. She's like, give me the living water. And Jesus says to her, go get your husband. And she's like, well, um, you, 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 you see, uh, I'm not married. Just pause here real quick. Jesus is gangster. Jesus will get all up in your business. Jesus will deal with your stuff because he knows the stuff is dealing with you. The stuff is dragging you down. The stuff is eating you from the inside out. And so Jesus is like, yeah, you're, you're right. The dude you're living with right now ain't your husband and you've been married five times. Can you imagine Jesus doing that to you? Having this conversation, oh, yes, I do want this living water. Well, then you really need to deal with your porn addiction. You'd be like, Jesus, I want this living water. Well, then you should start being faithful to your spouse. This woman does what most of us would probably do. She tries to take this conversation from practical to theological. That's why a lot of people in church, too, it's like, don't make it practical. Let's just talk about all these, you know, philosophical, all these theological. Can we do, you know, a series on end times? Maybe we will. But can we do just these things which are out here, which maybe engage our head, but don't cause us to change our heart? Don't cause us to change our life. But Jesus loves you too much. Jesus has too much in store for you to avoid what needs to be addressed. You see, eventually this conversation came back to, you know, she's like, well, look at this. Jesus is like, I'm the one. Jesus, though, please understand. Jesus does not condemn. Condemnation is from the enemy. Conviction is from Jesus. So what Jesus is doing here with this woman and what Jesus is doing in many of our lives is he is convicting us because he has better things for us. He is convicting us because we need to change. He is convicting us because we think this is going to satisfy, but we're still thirsty and we still want more and it's not satisfying. It's amazing, by the way, (laughs) this woman goes into town. The disciples had gone into town. All the disciples brought back was food. This woman brought back all kinds of people from town. A bunch of people got saved. Don't deny what Jesus can do through you in your life. But, but here's the thing is that so many of us are living feeling empty and we feel stained. Is this, is this too heavy on a time change weekend? No, no. It, we, we feel empty. So here's the thing. Jesus doesn't just fill empty containers of water. 
Jesus fills, fills empty lives. Only Jesus can truly fill your emptiness. And I want to announce to you that what gets poured out when Jesus fills your life is not what people poured in. You see, in the first story, the people filled it with water, but what, what came out? Wine. What came out? A miracle. No matter what's been poured into you your whole life, God can pour out a miracle. God can pour out a miracle. God can do things through your life. The, the containers that were, that were there that Jesus had them used were the containers that were used for ceremonial washing. So you can, you, can, you, can, you can get clean on the outside. I think followers of Jesus today were good at looking clean on the outside. Looking like we got it together. Looking like we got no struggles. Looking like we got no addictions. My, my grandpa um, owned a gas station for over 25 years in Pico Rivera. I remember being a little kid. I loved going to visit him at the gas station. They, they had one of those soda machines that uh, it, like, uh, it dispensed bottles. You don't remember back when it was like a, a glass bottle? And as a kid, I remember two, three, four-year-old, I remember like grape soda was the best. Like just, I mean, it was like grape. And I remember my, my grandpa's hands were always stained. He had grease on. He didn't just own the gas station. He'd be fixing cars. He'd be putting gas in. He, it, was, it was always stained. And when I would help him as a little kid, I would get grease on my hands. But he had something at his gas station called solvent. Put the solvent. I'd be like, wash my hands. I'd be like, oh, cool. They look clean now, grandpa. But then he would do it. And his hands would never, would never fully get clean because after 25 years, there's some stains that just seem like you can't get rid of. Isn't life like that? That over time, we're trying to clean up our lives. We're trying to get this. We're trying to clean up our lives. We're, we're, we're trying to, okay, no, not, I'm not going to do that anymore. You promise the per individual, I will never do that again. You promise yourself. You promise God. And then, and then you end up making a mistake. And you, 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 you end up trying to clean up your own life. And you end up trying to solve your own relationship problems. And we're going to, and, and it works. But, but over time, do you ever find that, like, we get so stained that, like, this solvent just isn't working anymore? Dictionary divine solvent is capable of dissolving, providing a solution. But do you ever find that, that what we bring is no longer really the solvent of life? I love here in, in John chapter 4 because here Jesus is cleansing internally. This is not some ceremonial outer washing. This is an internal cleansing. I want you to know that Jesus can cleanse the deepest, darkest sins of your life, that there is nothing that you have done that you are so stained, that there is nothing that has been done that cannot be washed by the sacrifice and by the blood of Jesus.